Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Oberleaf, uh, senior writer at uh, VikingsTerritory.com, appropriateTST.com, and I'm my cohort, Mark Craig, Star Tribune NFL Insider, Vikings writer, and StarTribune.com. Mark, uh, we're in the dog days. We're in the dog days. I seem to keep saying that. There's not much going on NFL-wise, but you and I will endeavor to talk about some stuff. Um, you know, one of the things we thought we might talk about is uh, Dalvin Cook and running back is still unsigned, still probably out there looking for for uh, big dollars, maybe $10 million a year. I mean, he's got <laughs> – He's got Hello. company out there with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, other kinds of guys out there. It's a strange deal. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that want Dalvin, but there's a lot of, you know, there's nobody that wants him at $10 million a year. So he's probably dealing with, uh, you know, what, what's <clears throat> acceptable. And, um, you know, it'll probably be – I mean, to me, it's – if you're in that situation, that running backs obviously are um, – devalued in the NFL. I mean, Dalvin's going to make someone a heck of a good running back, but you know, the, the whole running back by committee, the fact that you can, you can find running backs and as like rookies in the seventh round or producing for Super Bowl championship teams. Um, you know, you're just not going to get that kind of money, especially now that he's, you know, 28 years old. And uh, <laughs> so um, he, he'll land somewhere. He'll, 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 uh, he'll get by, he'll, 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 he'll make a few million that, uh, he won't be making the minimum and he'll probably get, you know, maybe some incentives and it'll make it, uh, you know, more tasteful, tasteful for him. Uh, but yeah, right now it's clearly, I mean, I saw where he said that, you know, that Miami is the perfect fit. Well, yeah. perfect fit, except for one thing, they're not going to give him, you know, what he was making with the Vikings. And right. uh, so, you know, Miles Sanders, I mean, I think, I think his, his deal when he left uh, the Eagles to go to Carolina four years, 25.4 million. Now that's about an average of 6.4 a year. So, you know, you're not going to see the, the, those, you know, you're not seeing the huge deals. So uh, he'll, he'll end up somewhere, you know, to me, the jets, I mean, if you want, if you want, if anyone's going to overpay, I would think maybe the jets would because they've already overpaid to get Rogers on board. They're in this, uh, you know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2010. So that's, a, you know, that's, it's the longest drought in the league. You know, they're obviously in this all in push it to the middle. Uh, we're going to go do big things this year mentality. And Dalvin certainly you put Dalvin alongside Rogers. You know, that looks pretty good. So I would say if there's one team that would overpay and that would want him uh, or we would fit, you know, you're adding a weapon to, to Rogers and that deal would be the Jets. You know, I, I thought I saw a, a quote from Tyler Conklin, former Viking tight end, that saying he would love to see Dalvin come up there. Um, you know, but he doesn't make those decisions, however. <laughs> uh, that, maybe even Aaron Rodgers doesn't make them. I, he, if anybody goes, I think Tyler's a little farther down the pecking order. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's uh, funny you should talk about devaluing running backs. You know, I know, I know I asked this question last week and we chatted about it a bit about how did this happen? How did this come about? Because you and I both grew up when the when the running back was king. And I was at just got back from my chiropractor and uh, uh, Dr. Nathan had had tip to him that uh, told me about this quote from from uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, last week on Jim Rome show talking about this same situation. And he said, 
I think that Todd Gurley got paid, and then Sean McVay came out and said, I'll never pay a running back again. And then I think uh, they won a Super Bowl, Everybody just fought, and everybody just followed suit, you know, because then he started doing, you know, Gurley got paid, then he got uh, injuries, and then he's gone, and so they just kind of went back by committee and uh, won a Super Bowl that way. So, But I think it might even have started a little bit before. Yeah, that. I mean, like Melvin, like a lot of people – Melvin's age, uh, they think that the earth started whenever they got to a certain point and, <laughs> and it, and it affected them, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it goes along, it goes farther back than that. I mean, the league has been, the league's been shifting, I mean, away from running backs and, as, and, and workhorse running backs for, you know, longer than Melvin's been alive. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the money part, I mean, I, I remember, you know, I was talking to, uh, um, you know, Vikings running backs uh, 10 years ago this and and you know it's just that's just the nature of the it's a it's you know and demand type of deal and, and you don't you know the, the, with the way the rules are the way the game is played now um they don't come in you know typically you know Derek like Derek Henry is an exception what you know of what he did like a three or four year stretch where it was mm-hmm. 350 carries and carrying that team to the playoffs every year um you know you're just not going to see that and you know that, like you know, Dalvin is going to make a one heck of a, an addition to a team, but he's get, you know, receiver money or quarterback money or, or even right. running back money from when he, when Spielman signed him to that deal. Uh, I think, I think even Dalvin had to know whenever they gave him that deal, that's why whenever it's reported, it's always, well, what's the guarantee? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the massiveness of the, of the contract never gets usually, usually doesn't get, satisfied especially when it's a running back so uh, i think even dalvin had to realize that this was how it was going to end in minnesota is that you can you can be a 12 uh you can be a thousand yard rusher or 1200 or whatever it was last year and still you know be uh, your contract be bigger than what you know your what you can bring to the team uh, as far as that when that when you factor in the the salary cap i think uh melvin gordon also mentioned in that podcast that he was on that uh Adrian Peterson was the last running back that probably hit a hundred million dollars in total salary or something like that. And uh, he might've been in on the tail end when they were still rewarding running backs. And he was the focal point of the Vikings team for a while, but that all, both of those things kind of seem to have gone away for running backs. And it's just amazing. Now you'll draft someone like the Vikings did and take a seventh round is where they took a, a, uh, McBride this year, you know, who, who's probably could have, you know, could have a decent uh, NFL career, but, you know, as, as a seventh rounder where Adrian was, uh, I think he was the seventh overall pick for the Vikings way back when. Yeah, there are still exceptions to the rule with running backs. And, you know, Adrian certainly was one of those, uh, you know, uh, he was a generational player. He was his last MVP that wasn't a quarterback. I mean, Adrian, at the height of his his career, which which was a pretty lengthy height, uh, was worth every penny of that because of what he. I mean, he. Let's face it, he he threw that 2012 team on his back and carried it into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Christian Potter is the quarterback. Christian had a really good final game against the Packers, but let's face it, you know, um, that's he's the exception to the rule. Um, you know, it's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's uh, the greatness of, that he had in that 2012 season coming off that injury is, is yeah. things will, we, we will never, we may never see again. 
It's a 2,000-yard rusher. Uh, after all that he had been through, and and, and uh, so yeah, it, yeah, right. I don't, know, I don't know how much Adrian made in his career, but there was a point where even like at the toward the end, where you know, like is Adrian worth? You know, he he parted with the Vikings as well, so yeah, he gets yeah. to a point where, you know, so yeah, you're not there isn't that running back in the league right now. It's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, obviously makes a lot of money and sixteen uh, million. Yeah. So he and look what he brought to the, but you know that guy was injured for probably two full seasons, two three full yeah. seasons where he was, you know, whenever. But the the Panthers went, you know, whenever he was off the field, the Panthers were nothing. When he was on the field, he they were a force. And then uh, he goes to San Francisco, and the assumption was, well, he's, you know, they kind of deserve each other because San Francisco was always getting hurt, and McCaffrey was always hurt. But then he got there, and was healthy, and you know, it was his old self. And but you know, he's even saying that if he was available now, you, it's the one position I think where you look at and say, like, the bigger your year was last year, the more, uh, the larger the grain of salt you take it with because the shelf life is shorter. It, as short as the shelf life is in the NFL, running back's shelf life is even shorter. It seems. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then if you get a running back, you like when Dalvin was here and they needed to make the playoffs and, and um, or they were driving, trying to make the playoffs in 2020. And that's when um, Zimmer stepped in and said, we're going to ride Dalvin Cook. Basically, you know, we're going to sink or swim with Dalvin Cook. And he had all those where people were like, oh, you're hurting him for the future. It's like, you know, to me, it's like if you have a running back and he's good, you got to use him. Yeah. Uh, but you do have to be smart. But in that point, that's what they needed. You know, they you don't worry about Dalvin. What Dalvin's going to be like in 2024 when it's 2020 and you're trying to make the playoffs. So um, it's a it's a position that still gets you know the the, the injuries mount, the the nicks and the bangs mount up, and and they uh they don't they become unaffordable. Yeah, which is why Dalvin's probably. Sticking, sticking his foot in the ground, saying, "Damn it, I want my money," because he knows how short the shelf life is for running backs, and his career may not be that long. Uh, you know, the, the the NFL shifted from one way to to the other, from running backs to receivers in the passing game. Um, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I want to ask it anyway. It sounds like I, I wanted to ask, you know, do you think it will ever shift back? Because everybody does this and then no. they go back. But it sounds like what you're saying with someone like Christian McCaffrey, it's got to be a special kind of player. It might just be a spot here, a spot there. I, I don't think we're ever going back to total ground game. We're just, you need a, some kind of a hybrid like McCaffrey who can do so much in the passing game as well as the running game that, that uh, increases his value. You know, and, and right, maybe I I don't know what. Do you well, think? yeah, for sure. I mean, even even as as great as Adrian was, there was that. Well, you know, he's not much of a threat in the passing game. And every year we talk about, uh, you know, is this the year Adrian learns how to catch the ball or whatever? Well, Adrian was never a comfortable pass catcher. Yeah. Um. He, but he was again, he was exception to the rule. He, it's like it's almost like I mean, two way way different eras. But you know, Jim Brown wasn't known for pass protection or or catching the ball. <laughs> Adrian wasn't known for his pass protection uh, or catching the ball, but they were, there's a greatness there that was, you know, that was. Who was Brown's quarterback? Why would you even throw the ball? Who was his quarterback? Well, when they won, it was Frank Ryan, you know, and okay. they had, you know, they, they had a good passing attack as well. I mean, that's, you know, you talk about that, will it ever shift back? No, it won't go back to the Earl Campbell days right. and uh, Walter Payton and stuff like that. But you see, even see it here in Minnesota with the Vikings. I mean, even though it's a, this is a uh, an, a young offensive 
guru that's the quarter that's the head coach now um there's a there's been a subtle commitment to to the running game not subtle uh, there's been a commitment to the running game in this offseason. It's just not a commitment to a Dalvin Cook. It's a commitment to right. to to short yardage, pound it out, get some first downs. I mean, that's uh, if Zimmer was doing this, we'd be laughing at him because he, oh, what's he think it is, 1970s, you know? But you know, to get a blocking tight end on your first day of free agency, to Alexander Madison, who's a, a bigger, more forceful back in short yardage situations, um, you know, and drafting a bride. And drafting another running back, you have this stable of you have this uh, this core of running backs. It's uh, it's still a pretty deep room, even without Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, keeping C.J. Ham around. Uh, you know, it there's a commitment to the running game. It's just uh, it's a it's a um, we want to stay on the field so we can keep throwing the ball. And right, and so that there is, you know, the running game is, uh, you know, there's a, you know 1500 yard rusher or whatever where it's it's changed, but you still have to do it because the the defenses in the NFL are too good and the defenders are too quick and fast and strong that if you don't give them something else to worry about, they're going to kill your quarterback. It doesn't matter how good your offensive line is. You can't, you're never going to get, how do I say this? Uh, We're never going back to that kind of style of running game, but you cannot give up on the running game. You've got to have the balance of some sort, the threat of a run to make your passing game effective. We know that. From watching the, yeah, the it's, along, it, it's it's necessary, but it's 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 just amazing how uh, the position has been devalued over time. It you know, and well, I, I can't imagine the frustration of these running backs like Melvin Gordon just demonstrated. You know, well, that's like you know, we, people want there's so much they want to talk about statistics and statistics, and uh, when you talk about quarterbacks like from the '70s or you know, say, well, Terry Bradshaw did this, and now you know he would never be blah blah blah. And today's yeah. game, well, you know, the, the weather, the stadiums, the, the, the playing fields, uh, the rules. I mean, uh, things change, you know. And uh, um, someone would look at uh, when Jerome Bettis went in the Hall of Fame. Jerome was, you know, was one of the best short yardage guys there ever was. Uh, same for John Riggins. But uh, I think his career average was 3.9. And someone once said that to uh, not me, other people too as well. But. I said, yeah, it'd be, it would have been higher, but the goal line kept getting in the way, you know, of his, <laughs> he could have, he could have gone for, if he needed to go four yards, he would have gone four yards, but right. uh, he needed one yard and he kept scoring touchdowns and they only get one yard credit on that, that one yard. So there's, you know, you got to watch. Well, they the were trying game. to throw the bus under the bus, weren't they? Yeah, it's just, uh, so you got to, I mean, I, I, I'm sure people still love the game, but I don't know if they love watching the game as much as they do, like just talking about it and, and seeing what all the takes are and seeing what all, all the stats are. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's, I'm, I'm even, I'm calling myself an old, you know, like uh, yelling uh, at the sky, you know, you are I'm, I'm, get off my lawn, Joe, let's end this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, uh, that, 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 uh, caricature of us is, isn't, uh, an exaggeration by too much anyway. Well, it's funny that you should, uh, talk about that talking about different areas and different guys in the, in the next segment uh, a couple of segments we're going to start talking we're going to look back a little bit at uh at uh some of those older years and compare you know talk about best players and in, uh, in the vikings history and see you know how many of them uh i, I think you know I've, I've gotten mine written down but i should should have thought now and in, in hearing you say that 
how many of those guys, when I say that they're the best ever, could they have what they could have done today? And maybe, maybe that would change some of my, my picks a little bit, but anyway, that's in the next segment. Uh, uh, is there anything new with the Neil Hunter that we're talking about? Uh, I'm just looking at other Vikings news. There's not much going on, uh, but he's, he's the other headline story. I mean, Dalvin's not even a Viking anymore and we're talking about him, but, uh, Daniel Hunter is the the the, the biggest uh, concern for Vikings fans. Whether you want him to stay or you you think they should trade him and and really go into rebuild mode. So, what do you think there? Anything new happening? Anything worth talking well, about? Yeah, I think you know Dalvin's not a Viking, but we're you know, I would be thinking you know he's still in the he's still in the news because uh, if he ends up in Chicago, that, that changes that, that makes a that's true. That's very I mean, true. Uh, so yeah, I mean it, where he lands and stuff is is important. You know, Daniel, it's it's obviously it's quiet time. Um, you know, I, I was reading, uh, you know, Jeff Diamond did something for the 33rd team website about what they can do, um, you know, to keep doubt or to keep, uh, to keep, keep Daniel. Your phone yeah, in your so, ear. Yeah. Wait, that's my lawyer on what? Don't talk to this guy. All right. Um, <laughs> don't answer that question. Um, right. But, you know, um, it, it involved like, you know, you, it depends on whether you, if you feel that Daniel Hunter is still got like three, got three to four years left in him that where he could play it at a high level, 14, 15 sacks more a year. Um, if you, if you feel like he's comfortable getting, you know, if he said a year of getting like in the three, four defense, he, I don't think he looked that great until the end. Uh, but he did have a year where he transitioned to that outside linebacker position. Now you got Flores, which is probably going to use him better, more aggressively. If you trust all of that, You've got to keep him on the team. You've got to get this guy. You cannot let him go this year. You can't trade him this year. But he's not He's not going to be happy. He's not going to be happy making $4 million a year when his average, you know, I guess should be $20 million or whatever it is. So, um, and, Jeff, you know, if I understand this, I'm not as smart as Jeff. I've never been a general manager or smart, especially with – I can tell Jeff, I said, I have a hard time remembering, you know, like if you've taken four or five shots on this hole, let alone – you know, the complexities of the NFL salary cap. Um, but oh, he was man. basically, it's like a, it's, it's it, what he, what he wrote was, um, you know, you give it, it's all, you, you bring his base salary down to the minimum 1.2 or whatever it is. You give him a, a signing bonus of $20 million over four years, you know, and then you, his salary cap ends up being, number ends up being about 600,000 more, only 600,000 more than it is now. Uh, what I read into that, I haven't really talked to him at length about it, but that seems to me kind of what they did last year to kind of you kick the can down the down the road again because I'm sure the next year he's going to want you know uh, a higher uh, you know it'd be twenty million dollars out paid for this year. I'm sure he'd want that again next year. But to me, as you as you go through this and all the salary cap problems that they've had or things they've had to maneuver whatever you have to do to kind of keep, to keep him on this team, especially, you know, it's, it's almost July. Uh, if you, if, if you don't have him, it changes the dynamic of your defense, change the dynamic of your team. It changes the dynamic of whether Davenport can be what you think he can be. So I think they've got to do something, you know, to make sure that, uh, that he's taken care of, because I don't, I think if you just say, oh, I just make him play his contract. I think he will probably sit out. I think it's amazing to to think about it in that, you know, when you talk about kicking the can down the road and you, you talk about uh, extend these guys. And, and you said earlier, Dalvin should know that he's probably not going to get, get all this at the end of the contract. 
the players and the their agents know what's going on. You know, they know that the team's doing this and that they're eventually going to say, well, you know, you're too expensive to, you know, you're too old and too expensive at this point. So we're going to let you go. So they, they must know that's coming too. But how, how do you ever sign anybody in the NFL to these, ex, these contracts? I just, it must be huge bonuses that make them happy for the, for the moment. And then they just say, okay, I'm going to bank on myself. I don't know. I don't understand it. Well, it's all, it's all, you know, what, what's the guarantee, you know, what's the guaranteed money, you know? Uh, the, you know, the guaranteed, you know, like for Kirk Cousins, he, he knew that three years and $84 million, that deal was rock solid. That was guaranteed for three years and $84 million. You know, I, I don't, I don't fault the, the players as much uh, in the NFL because when they don't perform, uh, you know, teams, teams get out of their contract. They, they find a way to get out from underneath everything and mm-hmm. see you later. It's like, you know, but whenever, you know, the advantage would be in the players situation, which certainly it is for, for Daniil and, and Justin Jefferson, people like that, uh, you know, to me that that's, that's within their, that's, that's how you play the game. I mean, they, right. You know, so, you know, they got to find a way to meet in the middle uh, or meet somewhere and get him uh, under contract. Now the th- difference between, you know, I mentioned Jefferson and Hunter is, you know, uh, when, when, when Jefferson's name was brought up with Quasi or O'Connell or everything, it, it was always, you know, that's that's the no-brainer that he's you know I wouldn't want to be on a team that doesn't have this guy so everything that was said was straight on with a guy that they're you know they're obviously not going to let go when it came to Daniil it was sort of the you know the modern like mishy mashy you know saying <laughs> you know the uh, hedging their bets yeah sort of hedge. so when O'Connell said it was like you know uh, we're solution oriented and you know that's uh, you know certainly Daniil Daniil coming back is one of those solutions we're hoping for and things like that. So I do feel oh like God. you said, they think they sit around and make the, okay, say this, say we're solution oriented. Well, I think that's all part of like today's world, actually the NFL certainly, but today's world as well. It's like, how do I say something that's, you know, that well, not in this case mean, but how do I say something that's mean, but it comes off as nice, you know, or, or how do I, <laughs> how do I soften all this stuff? It's one reason why Mike Zimmer, you know, I don't know. You yeah, know, was Mike Zimmer and why O'Connell is O'Connell. You know, difference in age, difference in in culture, whatever. Uh, culture became the big word, and and that that's you know gets beaten to death, and people just you know lap it up. So, uh, but you know, if you're reading between the lines or you're leading, between, you know, it's. I don't think that they, I feel like they may be. Hey, you know, Daniil may be dug in on something that we can't afford or we're not willing to go to. We might have to trade him. Uh, that's what I saw is. You know, like, you know, it wasn't a we're going to we're going to do this no matter what. Yeah. As you kind of saw with Jefferson, you know, it was more like, I sure we're solution oriented. And I hope this is one of those solutions where and they better hope that that's the solution because they, you know, they don't have, you know, to me, it changes, uh, changes the look outlook of this team tremendously. If you don't have at least that uh, I'm not saying Daniel is going to have 17 games and have 22 sacks and all that, but you know, the potential for him to, to be do great things is a lot greater than Pat Hill or DJ Wonham. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I uh, hopefully that you will, uh, or, uh, Jeff Diamond, Pat uh, Jones, I keep calling him Pat Hill. Uh, Jeff Diamond is listening. You, you, uh, sometimes you, you golf with him a lot and, uh, hopefully he's listening. He, he can go call the Vikings and tell him exactly what you said. So it's going to be really bad without, without Daniel Hunter. Cause I agree. Anyway, uh, 
Let's take a quick break and come on back, and we'll talk about some of the best of Vikings ever because, you know, it's the dog days, and let's, uh, let's ferret out those dogs. But come on back, uh, Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. All right, folks, welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Uh, as I said, dog days, dog days. Uh, we wanted to just do a quick rundown of some of our favorite Vikings in team history. There's a lot of good players that have been around recently, and we're trying not to have recency bias, and there's a lot of good players that have been around when only I'm the only one that saw them play, you know, uh, on this podcast. So uh, we'll try not to uh, do too much in that regard as well. But that was back in the heyday of the Vikings. So, Mark, let's let's start with the offense. Uh, uh, we start talking about best players in Vikings history at a position. What uh, uh, I, I know who my best quarterback is. I, uh, it's, a, it's a scrambling friend, old number 10, Fran Tarkin. And I still don't think that you can uh, get past him, Hall of Famer, you know. Joe, you, you don't need, you don't know how to do a buildup. You're supposed to start with like the long snapper, the punter, and then the quarter. You know, oh, come on, we can do that. And, and also, if you, if anyone who, anyone who looks at the screen, uh, recency – uh, bias is not going to be a problem. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think any of us are going to be picking. Uh, uh, let's see, Garrett Bradbury as the num- as a center. Uh, oh, got a bit of cross him off. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the the only question in this one, I, you know, obviously it's Tarkington, but like, where would you put uh, where would you put Kirk? Uh, would Kirk make the top five? Yes, I don't. Yes. I don't think he would. But you don't think uh, so? Well, I mean, I, I guess. But you, you got to figure like, what does it take to, to be in the top five? Like Joe Cap, which is basically one year. But I think Joe Cap belongs in, in the top five, right? Yeah. Uh, I would. I would even say that maybe he gets number five. But you know, Brett Favre for two thousand nine. Uh, you know, I, I. I mean, we're not talking. I don't think that the. I mean, the Vikings have not had. Uh, uh, you know, they've had some really good quarterbacks, but I don't think it's like a it's a, we're not looking at Montana and Young and all. Well, you know, then you're saying um, then you're saying the best quarterbacks ever to play for the Vikings. That's a different thing. I'm thinking the best Vikings in, in history. So I'm looking at a little more longevity than Favre and and uh, yeah, but I, well, I Cap, mean, I love Joe Cap. Joe Cap's the guy he came in with and even Warren Moon. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer for crying out loud in two leagues. He he should be in the top five, too. But um uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, uh, but you know, and you can do it either way. You can do it either way. So, so I'm just curious, like, you know, like uh, say Dante Culpepper, Dante Culpepper in 2004 could have been the MVP uh, the year yep. before he obviously gets hurt. Uh, and he also, he, you know, there's like, when you look at what, where Kirk is now, I mean, Kirk, uh, as far as wins, Kirk has climbed up to, I want to say he's number three now or something all time, uh, in wins. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously the losses are, you know, pretty close behind as well. Uh, but, yeah, like, you know, where Randall Cunningham, like where does he fit? Uh, you know, they've had so many like, guys, like you said, Moon, Cunningham. Jim uh, McMahon. Jim McMahon. <laughs> but, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I, I'd be really I, – I didn't take that much time to look at it, but uh, Kirk would be somewhere in that uh, – he'd be farther you – know, we always talk about top ten in the league. So, I, let's, let's put let's put him number – I'll put him number six all the time in Vikings history. Wow. Okay. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I grew up, you know, uh, fighting with my brother when he said, who's your favorite Viking? He said, Fran Tarkin. So I said, Fran Tarkin, he says, you can't have him. I'm, I got him. 
So yeah, mine became Joe Cap a, cu- a couple years later when uh, my brother's uh, favorite left the team. And boy, I I love Joe Cap just for those those that short time that he was with the Vikings. He took him to a Super Bowl and uh, all the things he did. So yeah, he's he he would have to be in there. But no, I, I would put Kirk in the top five. I I, I think so because I think. Um, Statistically, he certainly belongs there. Uh, wins, I don't know. But last season, you've got to put a lot of that season on his back because all those uh, last-minute drives. I mean, if it was anybody other, any other Viking quarterback than Kirk Cousins, people would be singing hallelujah. But there, he's such a divided, you know, uh, uh, partisan uh, guy as far as the fans is concerned. You either love him or hate him. Uh, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves, so I would have him in the top five as well. Probably. With Dante. And, you know, Brett Favre, when he was here, that was one of my favorite seasons watching Vikings. I mean, it was a blast. But, uh, you know, Brett Favre was a Packer. So <laughs> kind of taints it for me. But w- what can you do? Um, okay, well, let's let's go with, uh, you know, yes, I'm, I'm probably going in reverse. If you want to go to long snap, grab my line. <laughs> I can give you them right out of the gate. Maybe we'll mix it up that way. But mine is Cullen Leffler, and it's for a very – very subjective reason a he was he was just a wonderful guy in the locker room he'd always talk to you didn't have a whole lot to talk to him but you could just bs with the guy and um you know he he once gave me a cookie from the from the players table he says you know i was standing go let's look at you you want one and he just gave it to me another time he's the only nfl player that ever threw me a pass we were standing on the sideline he had a ball and i said hey call him you know throw me a pass. And I used to be a receiver in high school. So I caught a pass from a, uh, an NFL player. So I can at least say that. So, that's wow. so, so, um, so you became a fanboy and got bought off by a cookie. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That is. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I don't, I, Cullen, I didn't write. I, I said Mick Tinglehop because he had to do it both. He had Mick had a snap and play. Wow. So, all right. Um, okay. Let's get, let, let's get through the. the yeah. Story. We got to move. We got to move. Uh, we got we got kicker. It's got to be Fred Cox, unless you you still love Blair Walsh so much. And uh, punter's got to be Greg Coleman for me. Who do you got? Well, you know, if you look at Fred Cox, he's like tenth in the uh, in, in the, when it comes to you know accuracy. So, uh, but he's also when he retired, he was he was uh, number two in I think uh, scoring in career career scoring. Yeah. So yeah, I'll go with Fred Cox, and then uh, I'll take Cluey. Um, you know, Coleman obviously was was there for a long, long time. But, you know, Cluey, love him or hate him, which a lot of people did both. You know, he had I the best net, best, best net. Um, uh, you know, he was a special talent. Uh, I think he got a little too distracted or whatever, or too cocky at the end. And But he I, was a hell I, of a punter. I have to amend mine, yes. I, I would put Cluey uh, uh, first and Coleman second because uh, – I actually love the distractions that uh, uh, Chloe got involved in. And, and uh, I think he's a stand-up dude and uh, absolutely fascinating to talk to in the locker room too, because. Well, yeah, I think, I think it affected his, I do think it affected his performance on the field. I would agree with that. Yeah. So I guess if I, if I'm taking it, I'm not doing any political statements or anything. I'm just saying that effect, you know, um, he, he just had, his yeah, mind, his mind went beyond punting at the end. So I absolutely, it's too bad the way it all ended there. But uh, yeah, he's he's a wonderful guy. If I, if I'm gonna like, if I'm gonna be subjective about Colin, I have to be subjective about Chris Cluey too. <laughs> so um, uh, let's go with the running back then. Uh, go ahead, I'll I'll let you go first. 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a real long limb and go uh, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I got someone named AP too. So he uh, he he was he was in his heyday was a dynamite to watch, wasn't he? I mean, the guy was he was fast. He was bruising to people that he ran into. Uh, just uh, you know, what you were saying in the last segment about some of his deficiencies in pass blocking and and. Uh, uh, or catching a receipt as a receiver. And he was no Chuck Foreman in that regard. Um, I put Chuck Foreman right in behind him for the, for the best all around back. But uh, yeah, it's gotta be. Adrian. I think that, you know, the greatest compliment I ever heard about Adrian and, and there were tons of them, obviously Paul Wigan, who was a, you know, still, he's still with the Vikings as a consultant uh, was a coach. And um, he was a rookie in 1957 with the Cleveland Browns with Jim Brown. And when Adrian was, it was 2012 and I was doing, we were all doing Adrian stories and Paul Wiggins said, you know, and, and Paul is very understated uh, about himself, about just his career. And he said, Adrian is, he is the only guy that I thought I, that I, he goes, I've never thought I'd ever compare anybody to Jim Brown because uh, Jim Brown was the best wow. ever he said, but Adrian's the only guy that I've ever in my entire life would say he, he, he reminds me of Jim Brown when he ran another guy that kind of kind of fell in the Vikings lap because he should have gone even higher in that draft but the injured shoulder I think he had in at Oklahoma he dropped that that's that's quite a compliment wow that's amazing okay uh I'm gonna hold off on wide receiver let's go to tight end who do you got there Uh, I mean to me it's a you know there's no recency bias there Steve Jordan as the guy that I think of whenever I think of Vikings tight ends. And, yeah. you know, it's not a position that, you know, they don't have their, you know, the Vikings don't have a Travis Kelsey or uh, Ozzie Newsome or Kellen, Wins- Kellen Winslow, people like that, you know. But uh, I think Steve Jordan is a little bit ahead of his time. I mean, his numbers would pale in comparison to today's numbers, but uh, he was a weapon, you know, back in, uh, you know, 80s. Uh, uh, was mid eighties, uh, but he was, uh, you know, that's the guy I think of whenever you say, you know, I don't think of Kyle Rudolph. I think of Steve Jordan. One of my favorites back then was Joe Sensor, but his car, his career got cut short by injury. Um, uh, involved in one of the greatest, greatest sequences in Vikings history, the Ahmad Shad defeat of, uh, of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we don't want months not to hurt Mark. Yeah. I, I, you know, when you look at the other kind of a, a tight end on a team, you got to mention uh, Klein Saucer as well. I mean, that guy was something. He was the the blocking running back, almost the H back fullback, uh, and he would he would also make he would catch the ball uh, enough to to remember that he could. And and <laughs> it's the greatest thing. He catch the ball, turn, and no matter who was in front of him, he'd run over that first guy and then get the first down. <laughs> one one of the most underrated players in Vikings history. He's uh, what agree. he could do. Uh, he could even carry the ball. You know. Uh, occasionally uh and play fullback and he was fantastic uh let's go with uh three offensive line positions we got the offensive tackle center and guard some of these i think are i think we're probably gonna have the same guys here uh you want me to go first yeah i mean that's all right uh my offensive tackle is Ron Yeri. Uh, he was Hall of Famer uh, way back in the day. He protected uh, Fran Tarkin in all those years. 
you know, another Hall of Fame. Oh, they're all three Hall of Famers. McTinglehoff at center, who we recently got in, thanks to Mark's efforts uh, with the committee. And uh, the guard would be Randall McDaniel. Just there, there was nobody better than those three guys. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my three as well. Um, you know, the thing about center, this, 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 I mean, Mick obviously was hit, was number one. But uh, you look at the, the history at center for this team is, you know, Loudermilk was a great player for, for a long time. Jeff Crispy, uh, Christy, uh, yeah. Matt, Matt Burke, uh, you know, it was continued to, uh, you know, and then Mick, uh, was for a while, he was pretty good. John Sullivan was also pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And, but like Randall McDaniel, I would say, um, you know, to me, he's probably one of their top 10 players they've ever had. I mean, he was a, he was a, you know, probably, uh, ooh, I'm, I'm blanking a, uh, he was not a hard. My first, uh, my first time in the room uh, as as a Hall of Fame uh, selector, Randall McDaniel was on my plate, and that was one of the easiest ones I ever had to dish out. Was nice. Um, and he was, you know, nine time All Pro. For, you know, the, the the All Pro is a Pro Bowl. The consistency, the um, the dominance, the skill, the everything. He was no one nonsense. of the best. Just, just played the game. One of the best guards ever to play the game, and that's that's saying you know that the John Hannas of the world, and um, you know the, uh, Gene Upshaws, uh, those guys, you know, and then Randall McDaniel's right there with those guys all time. You know, there, there's some guys that you know that when you say these, it's like guys that would make other teams probably you know, Ed, like an Ed White, you know, yeah, um, you know those types of players were and. and the Vikings obviously have had other offensive tackle uh, uh, in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, yeah, those are three pretty good ones, though. Yeah, no question. They uh, sure could use a guard like McDaniel these days, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I think that would work. Dang. You look at that and like, and you start to understand why those teams were as good as they were back then. You know, we've uh, struggled in the, the line for years. Um, okay, let's uh, – well, we, I guess I didn't have fullback listed on there. I guess we could quickly do a fullback. Is there a, a fullback in uh, Vikings history? I, I think Bill Brown was a really pretty good fullback. You got uh, uh, Chester – Chester – what was his name? Chester Taylor was for a while. Uh, I don't know if we've ever had uh, – Well, you know, I mean, he, Chester was more – he was a tailback. He was um, – yeah, I don't – I mean, I guess if you, if you had that, like, H-back, fullback uh, – I, I love Klein Saucer whenever he was in you know in that that type of role mm-hmm. that blocking you know tight that I guess if you you would do it the um, uh, flex like I think the uh, Associated Press had for a while a flex position I may I, I might put Klein Saucer in there in that flex position it's not a bad choice okay wide receiver the Vikings have had some phenomenal ones over the years um, they've had some busts but they've had some phenomenal ones and and uh, you know, Chris Carter deserves mention. Gene Washington, um, uh, gosh, I'm almost blanking on some of them. Uh, uh, Jake Reed was a decent receiver. Um, John Gilliam, Ahmad Rashad. But uh, uh, there's there's one guy that that stands out, and there's one guy that's trying to surpass him. And I would I'm going to go with the guy whose career is over and in the Hall of Fame and. Mr. Uh, 84 Randy Moss as the did, well did he give you a cookie too or what? he did not he did not he just gave me a lot of thrills that guy it was just I every time I'm on Twitter and all of a sudden somebody posts his highlights I just stop and watch him again and again and again it was it was just you know I 
one of the best ever to play the game. And, you know, you, as, as far as athletic ability, you could say, uh, you know, top one, two, you know, I mean, I think he was even a better athlete than freaky athlete than uh, uh, Jerry Rice, but you know, that, that could be a purple bias too. So, you know, the yeah. other guy that you mentioned is of course, Justin Jefferson, who's, who's going to challenge for, for that, for this title in the yeah. future. Uh, yeah, I would imagine Randy never gave you a cookie unless he smashed it in your face or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as, as great as Justin Jefferson is, I mean, and and he's reaching that that greatness level that 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 very few guys can get. Where you're a unanimous first team All Pro. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember whenever Randy, because there wasn't, there hadn't been uh, hardly any uh, first ballot receivers going to Hall of Fame. Jerry Rice, Steve Largent. And I believe there was one other at the time when Randy went in as a first ballot guy. So Randy, um, because of, you know, Randy's reputation, I guess, is, you know, and Randy's own kind of stubbornness of not wanting to play the game, you know, play the media game. I uh, is uh, yeah. uh, I'll give him that, you know, uh, there was some, uh, some plays that obviously he took off and things like that, but going through the process of putting together a, a presentation on Randy, it felt like, you know, it was one of those – because in the Hall of Fame, like the Brett Fars, the, the Jerry Rices, the Emmett Smith, those are – the presenter just says the name and we sits down and we all laugh and then we move on to the next guy. Well, with Randy, it had to be kind of a, you know, I know there's guys in here that are going to say he doesn't deserve to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. We disrespected the game at some times and yeah. blah, 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 blah. But his greatness was so, you know, so, so uh, – incredibly great and his numbers were also great so it wasn't like wasn't like he came to the end of randy's career and went you know if he'd only tried a little harder he would have been had, had a good <laughs> career you know I mean, he he you know blew blew the he blew it out of the water uh with his career yeah just uh you're talking about uh, i know that randy likes to argue and get the whole jerry rice randy moss thing going and right by saying he's the best and you know then people obviously who were loyal to jerry rice uh because I think Randy might be the only one who ever really takes on that. I, I was better than Jerry Rice, you know. And, yeah. Um, so if Randy wasn't at the top, he could he could uh, see it from his front porch. As, as uh, it's almost a matter of the selectors are trying to find a reason not to 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 make him a, a first ballot. You know, I mean, he, he, his stuff was so good, you had to look for not not for some reason to be it, for some reason to not be it. You know, and it, well, it's, yeah, and and. And in, in some people's defense, Randy did give out, you know, did give yep. some reasons for people to Absolutely. say, you know, hey, you know, you know, my, uh, so yeah, to me, uh, Randy Moss is obviously, uh, and, never, and there's a lot of great ones and there's great ones to come. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Randy, Randy, I never covered him. He was before my, before I got there, he was gone. And then, uh, for that short stint, he came back. I don't think, uh, can't remember if I what what year was that when he came back and then went on to Tennessee? Two thousand ten. That was part of the Brad Childers melt. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't, poor Brad. I, Brad I never. I mean, I love Brad. I still talk to Brad, uh, but uh, he didn't see that one coming when 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 he was dealing with Randy. And like, uh, are you? And I remember Brad was standing up in front of us and he said it. And I remember it was uh, Kevin Seifert and I were asking questions about it and just kind of like going. Basically, the line of questioning was. Do you have any idea what your what's coming onto your roster right now as far as you know um, the personality that to deal with? And Brad said, well, is, it, what is, 
is there going to be a mutiny? And he laughed and was like, yeah, <laughs> there's going to be a mutiny. And there was, and that, that was, that was the, what was uh, kind of the final uh, push out the door for Brad. I think that was my uh, uh, first year coming back. And so I never got a chance. He was gone before I even got a chance to talk to him. So no cookie. He was only me. here about a month. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll do the defense. So uh, come on back to uh, Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Now we're on the defensive side, best players, most of the best Vikings in uh, team history. Uh, let's go defensive end. I got Eller and, Eller and Marshall. I don't know how I ever came up with those guys. You know, I, I they just, uh, you know. Do you, do you have first names on those guys? Uh, <laughs> they don't need them. Carl yeah. Eller and Jim. Oh, Marshall. so also, yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know you'd want two. I, I mean, I've yeah, had to pick one. How do you, how do you not have them both? You know. Yeah. Well, and you think about that when you look when we talk defensive line. I mean, who who gets left off this list could could be could, our our Hall of Famers uh, or point. should be Hall of Famers. You know, Jim Marshall should be in the Hall of Fame. Carl Eller is in the Hall of Fame. I would take Eller. I guess if I if you put put a gun to my head uh as as they're the, the the best defensive end uh but jim marshall boy uh so much more than just his greatness on the field what, what he brought to that team so uh yeah if you're two of them I'll, I'll i'll go with the same two uh interior i should be two here but i'm only doing one interior defensive lineman this is another no-brainer we don't even have to discuss alan page of course well, yeah, I think Alan Page is the is the best player in the team in the team's history. I mean, people, people yeah. say, "Oh, is it is it Randy? Is it is it Adrian? Is it you know?" Well, it's usually Randy or Adrian. Is, yeah. Which one's the greatest? And and I'm like, you know, I go go put it on go put tape on this guy and watch what he did. How far? It was the best. Well, he and he also he also redefined what it was like to be a a defensive tackle, an interior pass rusher. He was the MVP of this league. There's only been two one. defensive players. Yep. in the history of this league and he was the, in 1971 uh so alan page and this is the one that gets left off if we're only doing one which is probably the biggest crime would be to leave john randall off of this team god, in any way she exactly before. right but john yeah. randall to me uh if i'm if i'm starting a, a, a team and i you know i'll um I don't know if I'd make him the number number two defensive tackle because of the guy that's playing in, with the rams right now he might be the best ever but, you know, Johnny Randall, uh, when you're talking about all-time Vikings, Johnny Randall has to be there somewhere. You're exactly right. That's that's an oversight on my part. I should have done two, and he's the guy. Uh, middle linebacker I put, uh, and then I did outside linebacker. It was kind of tough. I wasn't sure exactly who. And I, and I kind of included edge rusher and outside linebacker. But for middle linebacker, for me, it, w- it was Scott Studwell. It, it, yeah, I mean, just the, the tackles, the longevity, the, you know, he's got the most career – tackles the most uh, uh in one game the most in a season and um and he loves uh, mankato beer That's yes so me. and he, he probably gave you a cookie when you were giving him free beer some one night <laughs> so yeah stud well but then the, that leaves there's a lot of other guys in there too oh, that uh, are pretty good too yeah um outside linebacker edge rusher whatever uh i i got you got to be chris dolman doesn't it well i i took it as more of an outside linebacker as opposed to a like I would have done the edge rusher up on the on the defensive end, so okay. I stuck. I stuck more. Well, that's good. You can you can. Have, I mean, obviously, uh, Dolman is a guy I would make uh, like, like edge rusher defensive end. Uh, but you know, you know the, the the guys that went to all the Super Bowls, uh, the the Roy Winston and Wally Hilgenberg, 
being on either side of Lonnie Warwick, uh, you know, those guys were, were tremendous. Uh, that, that, that defense struggled with, with size in the Super Bowls, obviously, when getting, you know, uh, against the Dolphins. Uh, yeah. That was not pretty uh, you know, yep. as far as like this, the physicalness that the Dolphins had. Uh, but, you know, great players. But I, I like Matt Blair as, as a traditional. Yeah, true. And just, uh, you know, he was almost ahead of his time when it came to like a like a four, three outside linebacker, six, five, two, thirty two. He was like he was like Anthony Barr size before that was, you know, common or even uh, had been seen too much. In uh, so, great special teams player, all those block kicks and stuff. So I, I like Matt Blair in that position. Um, I'm going to go cornerbacks. Uh, I, uh, I listed nickel here, but I don't know enough about him to say that. But my mind might be a little spread. Everybody talks about Bobby Bryant, but you know, Bobby Bryant to me, I, I saw him play a lot and he got run over so many times. And for that reason, I mean, he was great cornerback, but uh, when he, it, later in his career, ta- his tackling just went away. And one guy who's never did was Anton, An- Antoine Winfield. Uh, I, I thought he, uh, the way that, you know, half the size of most people, he's always coming up making tackles. He's a great cornerback. So I'm going to go with him. Well, I, I just read it literal as nickel. And when, you know, Antoine <clears throat> did slide inside. Yeah, he <clears throat> and there's been there have been plays in the, in recent years where uh, you go, boy, Antoine, Win- that, that would take Antoine Winfield out of the equation because, like, the rule now is that defense, these poor uh, corners can't go low. If, mm-hmm. if there's a big tackle coming around, you can't take his legs out. Why Antoine used to take the tackle, the, the he used to take the offensive lineman's leg out, and he would take as he's tackling the, the running back at, at his size, 180 pounds. So yeah, I would say if uh, and I didn't I didn't see a corner listed, but I, I would go with Bobby Bryant just because of longevity and yeah. Super Bowls and it's a totally different era at that time. But Antoine uh, deserved a spot there. I'm gonna name these four safeties. Not you know not not knowing which, you know, if they played strong or if they played just straight safety. And I'll let you you pick who you, who you think should be the best. Uh, you got Paul Krause, who's in the Hall of Fame for his 81 interceptions that, that will never be beaten. You got Joey Brown, who I think is the, the best safety they ever had. Carl Kosalki, who I have a special relationship with. I've said it before on this show. I can tell that another time. He did. It wasn't anything to do with a cookie, by the way. And uh, Harry the Hitman. Uh uh, so there's there's some dang good safeties in that group. What, what what do you say there, Mark? Well, yeah, I mean Paul Krause, you know, 81 interceptions. It, that is the one record in the NFL that will never be broken. Right now, Harrison Smith is uh, is the current um, active leader in interceptions at 34. Wow. And uh, and and Krause has 81. So <laughs> you know Krause would be your free safety. Your your strong safety would be uh, Joey Browner. And Joey Browner is a guy that. <clears throat> he's now made it to past the 25 years where he's been retired. So he is in the senior category, but whenever the, I kept putting his name back in the hopper for consideration for the modern guys, because mm-hmm. he was, you know, not only was he six time uh, pro bowl, he was three time all pro first team. So he was a fantastic player that I think got fell through the cracks in, in history. Uh, did not get, um, I'm saying he, he should be in the hall of fame, but, he should have gotten a heck of a lot more kind of talk or should have been discussed more yeah. than he was. But I kept, you know, having to put him back in so we could at least get him to the, to where we would consider our, our top 20, our top, um, whatever it was 50 or whatever. And then we cut yeah. down from there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I was a big, Joey Browner was a, a, a really big 
you know, physical safety could really play. Uh, it was an outstanding player. Talking about recency bias, it's that non-Super Bowl bias that that exists. And obviously, obviously Harrison, Harrison is is a is deserves to be up there in that top five. But then you got Orlando Thomas, yeah, uh, Robert Griffith. You know, there were some you know, pretty good safeties in this team's history. For sure. Okay, this this is the no-brainer. Uh, who's who's your all-time best Vikings coach, Mark? Uh, well, Les Steckel is obviously the. Whoa. Well, you know, Les Steckel had all that discipline. Less Steckel, but go ahead. Well, Les, you know, he's a very he's a strong disciplinarian. Had a heck of a training camp in 1984. Uh, no, obviously it's Bud. Uh, you know, Bud, Bud, Bud will be on this list until somebody wins a Super Bowl. If, if somebody right. were to win a Super Bowl and they're there for a little while, imagine that day when you're like having to say, "Well, the best, maybe the best coach." In, yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know. If Kevin O'Connell and 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 Justin Jefferson are going to move right up to the top, baby. Yeah, very I, soon. I'm just trying to picture a day in Minnesota. I mean, it'll have to be like you know, after our lifetimes or whatever. But um, you know, where someone says Bud wasn't the the greatest yeah. in the history. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that that's about the extent of our list. Um, it's a good one. There's some good players in that. It's kind of fun to talk about. And I, you know, just speaking of. You know, I, I did want to add one more thing. I, the the Minnesota Wild in the draft last night took Charlie Strammel from Rosemount uh, in, as their first round pick, and uh, the reason I mention it is because his grandfather, I went to school with him at Mankato Loyola. Uh, he was in my brother's class, a senior when I was a freshman. Uh, Scott Vogel, and how does this dude have to do with football? He was a hell of a fullback and running back for the for the Mankato Loyola Crusaders. So that's why bringing in but I, it's exciting for the while for anybody who gives a care but uh anyway mark thanks for thanks for uh running down this list thanks uh, for all your input and insight we'll do something like this again uh thanks everybody for checking in and listening and checking us out thanks mike walden behind the scenes and uh we'll be back next week with something else and until then thanks joe skull skull